You're listening to Dramas Over Flowers. This is an episode of What's Up in Drama Land with Saya, Anissa, and Borama. Hi, I'm Anissa. As usual, we'll be covering interesting news and industry developments, as well as previewing this month's upcoming K dramas. This podcast is a project for the fandom by the fandom. So if you want to help us out, you can do it in a lot of ways. You can share our episodes. Talk about the podcast to friends who love dramas. Leave a review on iTunes or the podcast app of your preference. All of that helps us grow. And if you want to help keep our lights on, you can check out patreon.com slash dramasoverflowers. Finally, you can get in touch with us with your thoughts and ideas. We're always reading the comments on YouTube and DramaBeat, but you can also tweet at us at dramasoverflow or email us at dramasoverflowers at gmail.com. Enjoy the episode! Hi everyone, this is Saya. This is Anissa. And sadly today we don't have Borma joining us because she's on a very, very, very well-deserved holiday. But we do have a special guest. We've got our friend Helen here with us today. Um, can you introduce yourself a little bit and tell everyone where you came from? By which I mean on the internet. You don't have to talk about <laughs> your, your ancestral <laughs> origins. <laughs> well, I could do if you want. <laughs> well, well, I think at some point we'll have to explain it when people hear you. and Because not everyone's familiar with um, like European accents or British Isles accents. <laughs> so it, it might be well worth the explanation. <laughs> Go on. Sure. Yeah, so I'm Helen, uh, otherwise known as Hellcat over on Drama Beans. Uh, the accent is from Northern Ireland. <laughs> the land and of Colin Morgan. The land of Colin Morgan. I started uh, reading Drama Beans when I was uh, just out of uni uh, back in t- 2012, and it had a very special special place in my heart. Uh, I loved it very much because it uh, coincided with my love of K-dramas. And then they opened up the recruitment process to people, and I just put my uh, recap in, not expecting to get anything back, but I did. And I was uh, thrilled to actually be requested to become a recapper. So uh, I did. And uh, that was two years ago now, almost. My first drama was uh, Woman of Dignity, which did unfortunately get dropped. But my second drama was Live Up to Your Name with uh, Anissa. Yay. Yeah. That was a really fun experience. It was. It was amazing. It was a very good drama and it was a lovely drama to recap. Um, along with the community. What was your favourite drama to recap? Favourite drama to recap is definitely Life on Mars. Uh, that was earlier this year. Um, was that this was year? Last year, last no. year, last year. I think it was oh, actually no. last year. Yeah. Oh, oh, time has flown. Oh, no. <laughs> For a it's second, crazy. I was like, this year? It does. It slips away from you. <laughs> uh, the only way I remember it is that, like, I'm like, oh, we talked about it in the last uh, year-end reviews, didn't we? And that's how uh, I kind of like, <laughs> off. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it was Life on Mars. Uh, I loved Life on Mars. I loved the original UK Life on Mars because it was such a beautiful and genius idea, really well executed and very funny. Um, so I was very excited about the new uh, Korean drama that was coming out, um, including the cast, who I loved from previous um, dramas. And it continued to be amazing throughout. There was no dull moments. So so you must be really excited about the reunion of the, the two actors, the two lead actors of Life on Mars in... Uh, when the Devil Calls Your Name. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it was uh, Jung Kyung-ho and um, Park Sung-ung, or... Yes. Yes, that's no, that's correct. 
Yeah, great. Okay, so they had their reunion in um, When the Devil Calls Your Name, and they've got a more antagonistic relationship in When the Devil Calls Your Name. More antagonistic. Uh, is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's literally the devil and someone who sold his soul to the oh, devil true. and now is regretting it. So, I mean, <laughs> but I can see like glimmers of them, you know, bonding. It, I'm hopeful. <laughs> Was this reunion like intentional when they cast this, uh, when they cast these two? I'm not actually sure, but I do think, isn't it the same director of um, Life on oh, Mars? Oh, is it? That would make sense, actually. Possibly not. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I mean, I'm sure. I definitely heard a lot about their chemistry, and so I'm sure yeah. that was one of the reasons that they were happy to they do this project. They both signed on. Project. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, the funny thing, um, like, I I did watch Life on Mars last year, just after it aired, I think, but um, more recently mm-hmm. I've seen the actor in, um, what do you call it, The Time Between Dog and Wolf, and he's so tiny and green, and you're like, you, you go on to become him! That's crazy. <laughs> and he's um, opposite yeah. Lee Jung-gi in that, so it's like, you know... Very different uh, screen presences, but yeah, interesting. Yes. Junkin Ho has really come into his own as an actor. I think he's a bit more subtle he really has. as well. Shall we dive into the news? Are you ready? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so there's been a little bit of talk. Um, actually, Anissa brought this to my attention um, about people talking about, uh, on Twitter about Vicky acquiring Drama Fever content or licenses. Uh, what did you read on Twitter before we get into the actual stories? On Twitter, I just read, I think I just read a, a reference to this Variety article that you um, had shared okay. with us about how they're getting, they got like a big deal for Drama Fever content. Okay. And so I was like, this sounds like a story that we should look into. And then I was, didn't have time to read it. So I was like, Saya, go check this story out. The story is that uh, Vicky have struck a deal um, with CJ E&M and JTBC to license um, their content um, which has resulted, as of now, in more than 50 new um, Korean and Chinese titles, and some of them include um, titles that were originally licensed exclusively to Drama Fever. Um, so that uh, is quite an interesting story, because if you think uh, back to uh, before Drama Fever died um, and the state of Vicky content at that time... Um, I couldn't find any official stuff on this, so I'm just sort of talking from memory and from from what um, I knew from volunteering with Vicky at the time, is that Vicky were just missing out on a lot of licenses. Drama Fever had a deal with TVN where they were getting um, exclusive licenses for a lot of shows. And the thing with Drama Fever is that Drama Fever had their... Uh, the bulk of their um, audience and subscribers were, were in North America, the Americas, whereas Vicky is much more international. So what that meant is that there was like a bottlenecking of content that uh, like didn't make it to Europe because Vicky couldn't get licenses for a lot of them when they were exclusively licensed to Drama Viva. So yeah, we we had a bit of a like a real emptiness of content. Um, we did in Europe for quite a long time, and. So, yeah, Drama Fever not being on the scene kind of opened up the content again for for European viewers. Um, I don't know how that, uh, if, if we had Borama, she could tell us what it was like in Asia. But oh, actually, she said now as well that there's a lot more K-drama content in on Vicky now than there used to be. So, I don't know, it's a 
Yeah. Whereas for us, it was like we lost a lot yeah. of those shows. Like in the U.S., we lost mm. those drama fever shows, but then they didn't really show up on Vicky. Yeah. Oh, the thing with drama fever shows as well is that the drama fever library was enormous for old drama, older dramas, classic dramas. Um, yes. So, like, yeah, you did lose a huge resource. I definitely yeah. missed that. <laughs> yeah, I missed that. And like, there were. I feel like rather than Vicky getting more licenses, which maybe they are doing now, but the thing I noticed on is Netflix. like there's more drama on Netflix. On yeah. Netflix. I yeah. was really pleased with that. That's where I watched Romance as a bonus book. Yeah. I mean, it's nice because it's very easily accessible. I mean, I'm watching Rookie Historian Go Young. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing about that it also is that it's releasing week to week, which I think Romance as a bonus mm-hmm. book did too, at least in North mm-hmm. America. Whereas, like, I remember when Forest of Secrets came out and they were like, we're dropping the whole season, like, after it ends. <laughs> why would you like, do no, that? Why? <laughs> you idiots. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, they are doing this weird thing where they're do- separating dramas into two seasons when they're, like, 16 episodes and they do, like, season one is eight episodes. And then they do it again, like, a few weeks later, which is really annoying. So I don't know like, why they've started doing that. But they are yeah. doing some week shows week to week. Yeah, I think that the so, Netflix binge model is is very different to how most K-drama fans actually consume their dramas. Uh, and it does mean that you'll miss out on the really quality, like, engagement with the yeah. audience, which is, like, for me, part of, that's part of the yeah. core of, like, why I actually like K-dramas being able to keep totally. up week to week with what everybody else is doing. Plus it also drives people Definitely. away from legal providers if they're not going to provide the things at the time that they are available elsewhere. Yeah. Right, because let's be real, it's not that yeah. we can't access this stuff if it's not on Netflix, right? So it's just like, why would I yeah. come to you then? Absolutely. And I find that was the case with um, Drama Fever wasn't, couldn't access it. Yeah, you couldn't get anything on Drama Fever here. Couldn't get anything. It really was very useless. Um, And I'd never really understood why they had left out Europe whenever they want when they were like releasing because there are so many people in Europe who want to watch the K drama. Who would pay for it too? Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe they didn't have the resources. I mean, who knows? And plus, Mm. it being owned by what was it? um, Warner Brothers probably made their scope like there was no reason for them to expand their scope because Warner Brothers. I, I don't know, actually. Am I making this up? Isn't it just very US-centric? I mean, Warner, but Warner Brothers releases movies all yeah. over the world. So it's not like they don't like have for their international... TV uh, operations or their no. streaming... Well, I mean, they didn't have a streaming platform. Or did they have a streaming platform? Mm. Um, they're building one. Although, uh, like, they have one for DC. They have one for DC, like, content. And they're building one, supposedly. That's the, the AT&T one, which is consolidating everything, right? Yeah, AT&T, <laughs> the demons. Or we have AT&T internet, and like last Monday, it just like stopped working for no reason, and we didn't get our Wi-Fi oh, back wow. until Thursday wow. night, which like I thought I was going to have to go somewhere else oh. to record this episode. And we had like massive that outages all shocking. over this area. It's really, yeah, four days, <laughs> like, and they kept telling us it'll be back soon, and it wasn't. So eventually, they stopped giving us a time when it would be back. Oh wow! Oh, no. we were like, oh, so um, just to go very slightly off topic, um, the there was a Patriot Act um, episode about why your internet sucks. Did that apply to you? Mm-hmm. Like US internet? Um, I don't think I've. I haven't actually had time to watch the Patriot Act. Oh, Tears okay, okay. and sobbing, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Hassan Minhaj is a gift to humanity. I just want to put that out there. Um, yeah. So I don't know what he talked about in there, but I know that it's not good that AT&T owns so much. Yes. 
and it's not just and it's not just like service wise in terms of like the infrastructure yeah. they're infrastructure, owning the yeah. content they own the infrastructure it's just not good and the right to to like the licensing rights is that even the right word but like the catchment they really do seem gets to to have a monopoly yeah. over quite a lot of things which is obviously not the it's not like a very good business model right. for, for consumers no, and i think our our sort of antitrust yeah. laws have begun weaker and weaker over the oh, years yeah. because of how much power corporations have in our government so it's just been getting worse like i did not think this disney fox merger was gonna go through last year but they were like yep that's fine you can do that and i was yeah. like wow okay i was actually really sad about so, the disney fox merger because not confirmed but part of the reason that people speculate that lucifer the tv show was cancelled was because disney didn't want to have it on its books because it was about the devil oh, because yeah. it doesn't, doesn't fit the family friendly their brain. Right. Yeah. well yeah and if you think about some of the stuff that fox mm-hmm. does or like the tv shows that fx does which are like you know darker and pretty you know very adult yeah. focused but some of them have i mean fx fx has created some of the most critically acclaimed shows in the last few it has, years yeah. so i don't know how they're gonna handle i mean i hope their solution is not to just shut down all of that but i think they're they're shutting down shut down one of the big fox subsidiaries that make movies and i can't remember i don't think it's searchlight but it's like the Mm -hmm. other one so that's sad you know so like obviously a lot of people are going to lose their jobs too yeah so and selfishly yeah um the content like everything is just if everything is going to become quite similar in sammy because Disney owns everything yeah. and is going to put its Disney stamp on everything. It's exactly. just disappointing and for mean, us. It's a nice, I mean, they, they do a good job, but it's just all the same. So like, we want to see more different stuff, you know? Is there a possibility that it, it might evolve um, depending on the different um, like companies or subsidiaries that they absorb? They seem to have a very strong brand. It seems to be very top down with them rather than percolating yeah, up. Exactly. They don't, they, they're very, like, Disney is very strong with their messaging yeah. and their control. And, I mean, there was a story, I mean, I'm, to- I'm totally going off topic, I'm sorry, but there was a story, I think, last year about the, there's, like, a city near L.A. where they have their headquarters, and they basically own the city, and they basically stopped the L.A. Times. They stopped inviting the L.A. Times to report on anything mm-hmm. because they wrote a negative story about how they treat their workers in that city. And they were like, well, you can't come to any of our like oh, well. screenings anymore, blah, blah. And so, I mean, it was a, it was a big story. And eventually they had to renege on that because it was really bad PR for them. But like, I mean, if you ever talk to someone who's like worked for Disney, like they're very strict about what kind of message gets out there. So I don't see them being that interested in having like diverse perspectives in their movies i don't know yeah we'll see what happens we'll see. Well, speaking of diverse stories um got another interesting story that um from the director of the current drama mellow suits me or be melodramatic so for anyone not watching the show or just generally not keeping up with the news the, the show has not been getting good ratings it's actually doing quite poorly in the ratings um, so we read this um, in-depth interview with the director about how he feels about that, and I found the like the idea of what he was saying is that that despite the ratings, it's a story really like he he feels very strongly about 
telling this story. And it's uh, about three women, or maybe um, Anissa, you're watching this. Do you want to do you want to explain what the drama is about? Um, sure. So it's about three women who are um, around thirty or in the thirties, and one of them is a successful documentary filmmaker, but she's had um, like personal loss, which has kind of caused her to be a little bit stuck um, in her personal and professional life. Um, that she's still dealing with. Um, one of them had, she had like a pregnancy when she was in college and the guy was just a total piece of garbage and he, and he abandoned her and now she's like struggling to work as a single mom, but just, you know, she's doing okay. Um, and then she, and then um, the third one is a drama writer who is trying to produce her first ever drama, like as an independent writer um, and it's just like the three of them and they all live together and with the kid. And so they have formed this like little family of friends um, and they're just dealing with life and dealing with being a woman in your thirties and trying to deal with, you know, the pressures of work and the disappointments of life. And it's just really, really good. It's so well-written. It's so well-directed. It's I'm I'm really sad that it's not getting good reception because it's, Really, really. And I mean, interestingly, the last episode, I'm not up to date. The last episode that I watched was episode five, which was my favorite episode so far. It was so good. And it's really funny, but it's like a biting kind of humor because these women are not paragons of womanly perfection. They're like real women who ha- who like, you know, they, they get mad. They sometimes say mean things, you know, they're like real human beings. But there's one scene where she is going in with the director who's like basically decided to take a chance on her. Um, and they have to like present about the drama and like what it's about and stuff. And they're, and then like afterward, and it doesn't go so well. And then afterwards they're just talking like her, the writer and the director are just talking about how like instead, instead of doing like the kind of full of cliffhanger kind of mukjang drama that follows, you know, the, the like proven formula, like they want to do something different. That's like character centered. And, and she's like, well, what if it's not successful though? And he's like, but we still have to make it. But I was like, now after reading this, That's like so I just meta. watched the episode like yesterday. Mm. Yeah, I was like, oh, it's too real. Oh yeah. no. So, um, like I, I have watched just the first episode so far, but like what really strikes you is how incredibly like cinematic it is. Like it's, it's oh, like yeah. a film. It's, it's you, you, it. I'm incoherent it's um like you watched like what one and a quarter hours or something and it's just like you have watched the lives of these three women pass in front of you like it's incredibly cinematic and like I'm very like I don't I'm not particularly knowledgeable knowledgeable about that kind of things but if I notice it then it's like this is really like that's next level. So, like, do you remember when we were watching Romance as a Bonus book? Helen, have you watched Romance as a Bonus book as well? I have, yes, yeah. Okay, so do you remember in, in that show when um, they, the book, that the poetry book they produced at the end and, um, like, is it, uh, the director says to Ina Young that the other, like, the, the commercial stuff pays for the, the really sort of beautiful literary stuff to exist. Like, this is not yeah. going to pay for itself, but it needs to exist. And yeah. it's the other it's, stuff that we use to to make to make a space for this work to exist. Do you think that can apply, like in in drama land as well, to actual dramas? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that it's what this reminds me of. Actually, is um, you, you know, Yo Jingu, mm-hmm. uh, when he did Circle, 
Um, I think that he'd said that he'd done something else, like a more popular uh, drama, or maybe it was like quite a large movie before. And then that sort of gave him the, he felt that he was comfortable doing something smaller and more intimate, like Circle. Mm-hmm. Um that would never have really got made if it had if he hadn't been able to do the larger, more profitable one first. And I think that these stories are they're definitely worth telling, uh, even if it's only to like a very small number of people. Yeah, and I mean, I, d- I think it definitely applies to this because the director of this um, drama he made like Extreme Job, which he did last, which he did last year, was like a record breaking movie, and it made so much money that I saw it on like international lists of the top 10 highest grossing movies for a yeah. while of 2018. So like coming off of that kind of success, I, I'm sure it definitely gives him more freedom to do something that's like completely just a project that he really wants to make. You can really tell whenever someone is like very passionate about something, even if it's like a very niche area. And it, that means it's going to resonate more with the people that who actually enjoy it. Yeah. And it's like, a, you know, that that scene where they're in the meeting with these, you know, network executives who are so like misogynistic and they're not, they're just very unpleasant and they're not buying it. And, and, they're, and it's as if the drama is literally, you know, arguing for its own existence because she tells, she tells these executives, she's like, okay, so instead of having these cliffhangers at the end of every episode, that's like bringing people back. What we want is to have characters that people care about so much that they want to know what what's happening in their lives. You know, like that's the kind of story we want to tell. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, this is the kind of stories that I love. And that's basically what kind of story this is. And we're here and we're watching it. So I also think it's really interesting how they're saying these are really low ratings where it's a, it's a cable show. And before like five years ago, or six years ago, 1% was high for cable. I remember those yeah. days. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And after, and now that we've had like the Reply series and like Sky Castle and Goblin, like now people are like 1%. Oh, that's really disappointing. That's really low. But I mean, I still think that we should remember that it's not a, it's not a network show. It's actually a cable channel. That's really good. So it's not that bad. Yeah. I think it's a really wonderful sentiment though, what you said there. Um, about the drama making a case for itself and I think that that still applies to anything uh, women-centric generally Um, they tend to be like you have a drama and it's about the person and then if it's a woman it's not it's a woman's drama Hmm. yeah I mean these executives were literally like women aren't interesting (laughs) why should we care about the show it's only about women I was like wow that's so but the thing is like I've never heard such a bluntly like brutally honest depiction of I mean I'm sure it's obviously dramatized but I was like wow they really went there like they really (laughs) exposed all of that that's pretty great I think you'd probably be surprised if you've seen any of the uh, emails that get leaked (laughs) from people who work in this industry (laughs) I think that they are also pretty blunt yeah those are like not meant for the public consumption right you're not meant to know right I mean this is produced to be put on tv so I was just it's not that the sentiment surprises mm-hmm. me, but I'm surprised to see it like in a drama. So kudos sure. to them doing that. It just makes you think of what a genius setting it is for that drama. Like it, like it anticipated these kind of um, obstacles to begin with, and just preempted them by going right in there and, and having that meta conversation too. 
Um, it reminds yeah. me, again, going very slightly off topic, it reminds me of a conversation I was having earlier in the week with a friend of mine who I'd been tr- uh, trying to persuade to watch um, I Need Romance 3. Have you guys watched that? The Song Joon um, Kim so I think half of it. I have, yeah, actually. Yeah. Two episodes, and then I just, there was something that really bothered me about the relationship. Oh, so my I friend dropped it, it too. Um, so you're in good company. Um and it's been a while since I've watched it, but I was like, I watched it when it aired, I think, was it 2013? So it's quite a long time. So maybe if I watched it now, I'd feel differently. But like, I remember like what really struck me about that show was the main character, Kim Seon. She was this extremely bitter, mm-hmm. extremely cynical woman. And it's like, that kind of woman would not get her story if it didn't have a romance. And what I feel like is maybe dramas like those have kind of sort of, paved the way to, to have a drama like this. Like five years ago, you couldn't have had a drama that mm. was this. That's a really good point. Part of why I like romance was actually one of my favorite genres is because it's not, it generally isn't just about the romance. It's because the women in it are fully realized women, which you don't get in other genres. Um, they have their own rich interior lives. And yes, at the end of the day, they do want to end up with like a guy and that's part of you have to accept that going in but it is also very much about her i 100 percent agree that's what appeals to me about romance too is because it usually ends up also being about her family relationships and her work life and her mm. uh just living in the world as a woman you know and we don't get to see that because usually it's just the girl that's the prize at the end for the hero and that's and that's like she's a very one two-dimensional Barely two-dimensional character. Mm-hmm. I just find it quite a revolutionary. Um, it shouldn't be revolutionary, but it is that like it, we're getting a couple of dramas now where they're actually saying, you know what, she doesn't need a romance. Um, like Search WW, which I haven't watched, but uh, you know, you guys talked about this at length about how these women they got to have failed relationships, they got to have like the hero, the male hero's journey, but as females. And I just I love this um, evolution of like the female hero getting to have that kind of hero's journey without it having like its success isn't measured by whether she had a successful romance or not. Yeah, and I mean, there was definitely romance in Search WWW. Helen, did you watch that show? I haven't, actually. Oh, highly recommend. I think you really love it. Yeah? I think it's um, it's not that there isn't romance, because then it becomes like, oh, well, in order to have a fully realized character arc, she can't have romance but because she has to be like, defined strong, by their you know, romance. Like a, but, but it's, yeah, so, so it just becomes like one small part of their life rather than being the be all and end all of their emotional existence, you know, like for these women, their work is really important to them. And I can relate to that because, you know, like there are times in your life where you're like, wow, I have a lot going on in my plate. I I really don't have time for a man. Like that's a real thing that women go through. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's nice to actually see that. Often involuntarily too. So it's like, you know, and we talked about this last month as well about um, women and family lives and working and, that kind of thing or men too actually it's like maybe you don't even have a choice about whether you can focus on your personal life because you're just so busy in your uh, work life yeah absolutely before we move on just one more question for you guys um what what do you think it means for the future of creative storytelling if it tanks on the industry's most meaningful metric i mean ratings are what make uh, you know dramas live and die on ratings they do. I think one thing to point out I, for me, which is a 
has just been getting worse and worse is that uh, the rating system is broken itself. And I think that it doesn't really take into account the uh, number of people actually watching and engaging because they have a very limited way of measuring who's watching. So the way the rating system uh, works, uh, as far as I know, is that there's a selected number of households where they monitor what they watch. And that's like representative of the population. And you have the ratings um, where they do them in Seoul only and also countrywide. So there's a little bit of a difference between Seoul ratings and nationwide ratings. There's also two systems. And Nisa may know more about this than me. <laughs> so um, I'm going to hand it over to you unless oh, we don't no, know. I mean, that's basically, that's all I know, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like a, a proportion, a kind of, yeah, like a proportional representation, but not in, in that way. Like So, yeah, it, it, how is there a better way to measure that? That's not a question we can answer, maybe. No, yeah. but I think um, that it just, it also ignores, or maybe I'm incorrect, but it, it ignores other avenues of watching. So, or like things like yeah. catch up on demand, that kind of and I mean, Nielsen has finally started mm-hmm. counting some streaming ratings as well. But the whole system and the way it's been set up to count ratings is one that's been around since like, I don't know, the 80s or it's really old technology, especially at least in the US. I know it's like old technology and they're still kind of running on that model. So I agree with you, Helen, like they really need to come up with a better way of, uh, you know, counting yeah. and, and tracking. And I know that a lot of because especially in the US, like because Netflix doesn't release ratings mm-hmm. for pretty much everything they make. Now, I know a lot of companies have started trying to track, you know, like social media engagement. And instead of trying to figure out like how many people actually watched a particular episode at the time of airing, just because now like, what is the time of airing even mean anymore, right? They try to check how many people are watching just based on like how many people are actually talking about it, Mm -hmm. which I think is probably a better way of doing it. But I still think that there's clearly people are watching everything we do on the internet anyway. Like, so I'm sure there's ways to count, (laughs) you know, how many people are watching a given show. And for example, if you are subscribed to a service like Vicky, like I'm sure Vicky has the numbers, right? Yeah. I think it would be cool for, for specifically for Korean dramas, I think now that the Korean industry is more um, sort of in tune w- with the idea that they do have an international audience, which they are becoming more and more so, mm. I think it would be valuable for them to also take into account these international viewing numbers because they are they are now like coming out internationally on legal streaming platforms yeah. around the same time that they come out in the domestic audience. Especially since the domestic audience and the international audience do seem to diverge quite a lot in what they actually like. Yes. A lot of the mm. time. Um, yeah. Agreed. Yeah, sometimes there'll be stuff that just is not, uh, like, the domestic audience does not enjoy it. But outside of Korea, it's a massive hit. I think right. that was the case for Healer, wasn't it? Yes. I think so, yeah. yeah. That didn't do well at home. Um, also, yeah. like, niche niche genre type things like you know sci-fi circle i think uh, was one example of a show that actually how well did that do in korea i felt like it it was it kind of went under the radar but again, it did it flew very no much idea. under the radar oh, okay. but yeah internationally that was but also like speaking of women of dignity like you said that you really didn't enjoy that yeah. it was not a hit internationally but that was like actually it did really well it did do very well uh because it yeah. has all of the typical like mac jang elements um and it right. was well acted you know right I have a soft spot for Women of Dignity, I have to say, because <laughs> it was my <one> first <laughs> drama. <laughs> but 
definitely get that. I'm not going to rewatch it anytime soon. But it wasn't a good show, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I probably won't recommend it to people. <laughs> okay, so um, another, it's sort of a follow-up to something that we talked about. I can't remember if it was last month or the month before, but we have been discussing the new adaptation of Mulan that's coming out next year. And if you've been keeping up with international news, you know that there's been massive protests, pro-democracy protests in Hong Kong, and the police have been really brutally cracking down on the protesters in recent weeks. And so one of the stories that came out recently is that there's been a few Chinese K-pop stars publicly backing Beijing. So like backing the Chinese government and supporting the police. And there's been some backlash from Korean fans. And also some of them who say they understand where they're coming from, but a lot of them are saying that it's not something that they support. So, um, and these, these stars are Jackson Wang of GOT7, which is disappointing because I really liked him. <laughs> Lei Zhang, who is, I think, EXO. Lai Kuan Nin and Victoria Song, which I am sorry, I'm not familiar with those two. So, it, and it's interesting because Jackson Wong is actually from Hong Kong and Lai is from Taiwan. But, and, and one of the things I found interesting in the article was that Jackson used to, he used to have like a Hong Kong flag and a Hong Kong like symbol on his backpack and on his hat all the time. But recently now he's been having like a Chinese flag on his clothing and on his, and on his like backpack and stuff. So I think maybe it's more of like a tactical move knowing that most of his audience is in China. I don't know. What do you guys think about this? I have to say I'm disappointed, obviously, in um, the way that some celebrities have handled this. So I quite negative on that. But uh, I also think that um, they're probably, they're going to have a lot of pressure coming, not from them, but from like further up the chain. Um, so mm. I don't know if it's all just on like a political move on their part. I think they're also probably being, if not coerced into this, strongly recommended. Yeah. I pretty much agree with Helen in that it is disappointing, but also I can't see that it would be easy for them to sort of go against the sort of mainstream Chinese government messaging because, you know, they they have not, I mean, they're openly obviously very powerful, but also sort of they have the power to destroy these people's careers if they choose. And if if they come up negative, even like just once, that could be the end of their and you know all the money is in China now. The Chinese audience is where where their money is. If they alienate them, what does that mean for their careers? Can they afford to alienate them? Maybe like we're privileged enough to one not be uh, in a kind of in in that kind of authoritarian regime um, or under the shadow of it. And two, you know, our careers don't depend on whether the Chinese approve of us. So it's, it's a complicated position. I don't know if there are any right answers. But again, these are people at the bottom of the chain. They're not, uh, they don't have as much free will and autonomy as we think they have. Yeah, I definitely can sympathize with that position of, but I, I do think that there's a difference between not being able to say anything in support of the protesters versus like 
fully coming out in support of the Chinese government and, you know, mm. being like, rah, rah, go police. Very true and important you know? distinction. So yeah. I, mean, I do, I am like, couldn't you just stay quiet? Like, was this really the hill that you wanted to plant your flag on? Um, <laughs> I mean, but I'm, I'm sympathetic. Just because they are making a conscious decision to, like, it's a positive action rather than yeah. a negative. Yeah. I so can totally understand just pleading the fifth because you just don't, you cannot wade into that. You know, like I have... Like in my program, um, which is Critical Asian Humanities Master's Program, I think like 90% of us are um, international students from China. And I know that a lot of them care about issues of like imperialism and, you know, cultural dominance and all that, but they have to be very careful in their research not to be overtly criticizing the Chinese government's policies because, you know, clearly like they need to go back and get jobs. Right. So like, I can definitely understand how you would need to be a little strategic in what you're talking about in your work. And, you know, like we, like you said, Saya, like we don't have to be as careful about that. It would be nice if just one person could be that hero who says, no, this isn't okay. And I oppose it, but you know, that requires a lot of bravery. It does. I also don't think that um, when things like this come along, that one person saying no is enough. There are those one persons, but they get yeah. they get buried and they get mm. put in political <laughs> prison, and we don't hear about them. That's yeah, you know, that's it's not that they don't exist. Yeah, it's not that they don't exist. It's just that they either end up having to be exiled, or we just don't hear that's about them true. ever again. Like when you control the media, you don't have to. Yeah, <laughs> publish like my, the I last every parts of what you're doing. Exactly. Like I have a friend who, I mean, all the people in my program, they heard about Xinjiang after they came to the U.S. Because nobody in China is allowed to report on that. Yeah. Of course, obviously, you know. I remember um, a story a while ago, and I'm, I'm sorry I can't remember the name of the actress, but um, one of China's most famous actresses who just disappeared for like six to nine months. Do you remember that story? Uh, yes. Fen Bing Bing, I think. And like, so it's not that, yeah. like, there are consequences, but although she was in mainland China, so I don't know if it's different if you're abroad. But maybe, I don't know, fear makes people do things that they don't necessarily, you know, For sure. approve of themselves. And there's a reason why there are these high profile examples so that everybody mm. else is like, oh. I mean, she was literally disappeared for months. Yeah. And it was yeah. just, and there was a complete blanket on that story as well. So like, it, yeah, that was, that was really scary, actually. Yeah, so I mean, then in that context, you can understand why, you know, for example, Liu Yifei, who's playing Mulan, would support. Yeah, especially if they have family at home as well, or family in mainland China. Right. But I think that there's a difference between the Chinese actors and yeah. the people working in China itself coming out in support compared to celebrities in Korea. Right. Because, because they don't have the same kind of political. And well, not even political as with fan bing bing, but um, just genuinely like uh, yeah. repercussions in your day to day life. Right. Um, it's more of yeah. a, a calculated economic move because China is their biggest market for K pop. Yeah, that's, which is harder true. to forgive. Yeah, definitely. So, something to cheer us up after all of the, the, the gloominess of that is um, you guys remember we talked about Ipilmo uh, a few months ago, several months ago, was it even a year ago? Who knows? It's been a long time now. Um, getting married. Well, he and his wife just had a baby and it's so cute. 
Oh, it's such a lovely story as well. Such a sweet I love story. Him. Yeah. I love. I've always <laughs> loved it. Like he was. I think I first watched him on um, this family drama that came out. Oh my gosh! Like a while ago now. Like maybe 2011. It was called The Sons of Soul Pharmacy House, and um, he was one of the sons in the family. And he was just so funny. Like he's such a funny actor. Yeah, I'm happy for him and his wife. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Especially with all of the divorce stories and broken relationships and things, it's just nice to have something. Yeah, and you know, like he was, nice. he was like, you know, lonely, and he was forty-five, and then he oh, went on this like blind yeah. date program, and it's just that's yeah. just so cute that they just they fell in it love. It is so and, adorable, yeah. and for sure, not something that you think would actually work out. And having gone on a blind date. Uh, I'm not sure if you're aware, Anissa, but there's a thing called Love Island in the UK. <laughs> I have heard about it. I've heard about it. No, actually, I've never seen it. You but... don't need to know anything about it because it's trash. But sorry, do go on, Helen. It is, tr- <laughs> it is absolute trash. But that's our version of uh... this very beautiful, pure, wholesome story. Right. And you know what's like, I, I was reading uh, about the story and what's just, what really stands out is like how thoughtful they, the, the dating show was is they, they researched somebody to suit him as in they really did mm. it they chose someone carefully the thing with uh, stuff like love island and all of the like big brother and trash reality tv in the uk is that they and even stuff like the apprentice is that they choose people based on who will create the most conflict whereas like you know on on a on this show they like like sincerely looked for someone they thought would match him and it worked out like how great is that so, yeah. yeah, it's so cute. <laughs> to be really fair, like Korea story. also has a lot of these trashy dating shows, which <laughs> like everything is fake, oh, yeah. everything is scripted. <laughs> They're all celebrities that you know will actually never. I think this is the first ever happy ending for a couple that formed on one of these shows. And there have been like real couples that formed. Oh. So it, it warms my heart. Yeah. I think there is a couple off Love Island that are still together, actually. So it does come from unexpected places. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you watch it, um, Helen? Uh, I don't watch it myself but um you can I have <laughs> friends who do I have friends who do <laughs> uh, but actually there was I I don't know some of the uh conversations that they have between the people on on the show actually sound quite lovely and sweet um you know the guys are all like they're all talking about their emotions and like opening up to each other which that's quite surprising it's actually very positive yeah it's very positive yeah about the um in among mm. the the bikini right. shots. <laughs> yeah. I think the last um, and perhaps first time I ever watched reality TV was the very first episode of Big Brother many, many years ago. Uh, and then I was just like, you know, I don't think this is for me. <laughs> yes. I would recommend, this is taking a bit of a, a sidetrack, but um, there's a TV show called Terrace House on I was just gonna rec- I was just going to also mention Terrace oh. House. It's like sort of a guilty pleasure, but I love that thing. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like with Terrace House, though, it's almost like they've got people who are just really nice together, yeah. put them in a house, which is, it's kind of like watching, I don't know, a bunch of like uni friends or something, try and figure out how to live together, but with added romance. Yeah. And it's, it's like there is romance, but there's also, you know, like friendships and people like work yeah. journeys and, you know, yeah, just like the, just the dynamic of very polite people trying not to step on each other's toes but then like sometimes there's like somebody who just like doesn't do the dishes and you're all like oh my god how do we not make this into a big thing <laughs> it's just so it's relatable. Very relatable it's very relatable 
it's very slice yes. of life. But yes, if you're going to watch a reality, that would be the yeah. One and it's recommend. just it's just very low on the American brand of reality TV manufactured drama because the whole tone is just so much more low key, which I enjoy. Agreed. So next story is um, Eric and Jung Yumi have turned down the K drama remake of Kesarasura, which was a drama that came out I want to say like ten years ago. Is it two thousand and eight um, or something? Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was 2007. I loved it. I watched Kesarasura. I also loved oh. it. I don't actually know if I would love it on a rewatch because there's obviously that extremely <laughs> problematic scene. I haven't watched it yet. Well, let's just say that the gender dynamics are a mm. little upsetting. Yes. And I- it's a very dysfunctional relationship between the leads. But I do think that it was well done in the sense that um, the way that the drama ends kind of deals with some of those issues in some ways, although it doesn't quite deal with it enough, I think, especially according to our standards now, maybe mm-hmm. like 11 years later. It was years later. But I actually, initially I thought they were going to do a sequel, which I was very excited for because I loved these two actors together. And I, I mean, I loved them again in their mm-hmm. reunion, but I just thought that like this drama was so electric and like tense and it was such an intense experience that the OST was incredible, but I don't really want to see a remake of the same story. Speaking of like more niche dramas, I don't think Kesarasara did very well in the ratings, but it was a drama that really hooked me. And it was one of the very first ones that I, K-dramas that I actually watched yeah. and made me keep I watched it pretty early on too. And I was- think it was one of those, which like it didn't do that well in the ratings, but it was sort of more of like a cult hit later on yeah. it had such a strong brand for itself and i loved the music, the music in it years later i can still remember the music i still the listen to the music right for, I, I still listen to the so music good. it's one of my favorite <laughs> osts ever like still on my for list the benefit yes. of yeah. those who haven't watched it can you give a quick summary of the plot so eric is kind of like a very handsome dude that just like has relationships with oh Eric is a very handsome dude that's that um uh yes, literally in real life does. and yeah. in the drama but I mean like he I, I don't think he has a real job like he just has like rich girlfriends isn't a if job? I'm recalling correctly I get, yeah it's a full-time job and then <laughs> Jung Yumi is this um sort of naive young woman who comes to the city for work and they end up being neighbors. She's living with her younger sister, I think. Um, and then they um, get sort of, they fall for each other, but he doesn't want to have a relationship with someone as, I guess, innocent and, and a little weird. Yeah. yeah. As her. And, and yeah. then there's this other guy who really likes her. Um, but she is in love with Eric, but it, it but it, it really, um, it's really about the character interactions. It's not so much about the plot. Right. It's okay. um, not plot driven very much. Um, it's every, the, but it really goes in places where I was like, wow, this show really went there. Like it's extremely <laughs> so it tangled of- because there's like a hint of romance between, um, I think they're step siblings. They yeah. are step siblings. So that's obviously definitely. got some. <laughs> it's more than a hint. Like they definitely. <laughs> But you find that out pretty early yeah. on. Part of why I really loved uh, Kesarasara and was excited to see uh, a remake was because Zhang Yumi in, in it was 
such an interesting character. She was naive and innocent, but she was also very self-possessed. She knew exactly what she wanted. And she actually pursued Eric in the drama, which is, again, quite unusual. But she never lost her sense of dignity. I loved that about her. Yeah. And I think I would have been more interested in a remake because of... I think where the drama left us was a very interesting and it could have been interpreted in multiple ways. And I would have loved to see them come back to that story and see them as like these characters who were both fascinating people, Mm -hmm. you know, like 10 years later or whatever, but I'm less interested in seeing a new cat. So like they have cast we Hajun and Jun Sony who are like, New, so you you know like one is already cast, one is in top. You know right? we had John from yeah. You know we had John from uh, Romance as a bonus book. He was the other the second lead, and he was little brother in Pretty Nuna. So how do you think he fits the bill mm. of the character of Eric's character? I don't think he does no. at all. To be do honest. you think that yeah. perhaps the remake is going for something slightly different in tone from the original? I think it would have to because the original was so special and distinctive that it would be very difficult to actually recreate what they did in the original. Do you think that the problematic elements might be resolved in a remake? So when I say the problematic elements, like it's, it's key to the drama. They were interested in exploring two people who were having a messy relationship, Mm -hmm. um, which is why it was gripping. And I think that if they tried to get rid of it, it, wouldn't have the same kind of appeal. Yeah, because there is a lot of like disturbing yeah. behavior, but in no way is that disturbing behavior portrayed as something like good or admirable. It's like, yeah. wow, that was that was bad. Like you shouldn't have done that yeah, exactly. kind of stuff. Um, and the characters pay for their actions. So, so do you think you'll be watching it? Yeah, I don't know if I might watch the first episode uh, because of my loyalty to the first one. But if it's not good which i don't expect it will be i probably will drop it agreed yeah well, let's agree to reconvene yes. at that point <laughs> <laughs> i think that that's the plan <laughs> so helen come back when it when it comes on <laughs> i would love to come back anytime <laughs> <laughs> okay pencil it into your diary we would love to yeah. have you <laughs> Okay, okay, next one. So uh, this is a story that interests probably no one but me, but I came across it last night and I was like, ooh, ooh, ooh. And I was so excited and I had no one to share it with, so I'm sharing it with the world. <laughs> so Bad Guys the film, who knew this was a thing? <laughs> so um, Bad Guys uh, 2014 drama, which got a sequel last year, which was not good, and that's putting it very generously. Um, although I don't know if other people found it good, but I really, I just didn't enjoy it. Um, Bad Guys Season 1 had this really sort of, it had a strong plot, it had these really compelling relationships, and it was it was very, you know, it was good. Bad Guys 2 was just a bunch of fighting with people I didn't care about, so I dropped that after six episodes. Why did I stick it out that long? I don't know. So the film, um, you've got the returning cast uh, is uh, you've got Kim Sang Jung and Ma Dong Suk who are returning, and it has been so long since I've seen Ma Dong Suk on TV. Um, uh, with the additions to the cast, uh, uh, Kim Ah Jung and uh, Jang Kyung, who everyone loves right now. So that looks really fun. I watched the trailer. It's an action thriller, but it misses my favorite character, who was uh, Tae Su. I don't remember who the actor was. It also doesn't have Park Hae Jin. I didn't like his character that much anyway. But yeah, so this is actually releasing in theaters across um, the US and Canada. Um, I don't know when I will be able to watch it, but one day I look forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> I was very excited. So the next one is also 
something that's coming out here. So it's a US remake of Sky Castle, which they've decided to do a pilot on NBC. And they're calling it Tribeca. And if you haven't watched Sky Castle, it's basically about this extremely, like very wealthy and privileged class of people who um, are trying to get their kids into these sky, what they call sky universities, which is Seoul, um, Koryo, and uh, Yonsei. And so it's just like, they're just like at any cost, you know, and they hire these really, uh, this like really evil consultant to, to basically like, coach their children through these this whole process like throughout the entirety of high school and it's just there's a lot of tension and and like people are struggling and there's depression and uh you know other things that i won't mention because it's a spoiler but um it's it was very good very good i still haven't finished it but i'm still watching it (laughs) Um, (laughs) along with the other six dramas still on hold until may yeah i think we're on like episode 12 (laughs) or something but i'm watching with my mom and sister so it's taking a while Oh, so it's not even school's fault. No, it's just all three of us have very different schedules. Oh. So this will be about a wealthy lower Manhattan neighborhood, um, and it's including the producers of Gossip Girl. So we'll see. I don't have high expectations, mm. but I can understand why they're remaking this, because the original one broke all the records, and it got 23.8 viewership ratings, which is crazy, because it came on J- JTBC, which is cable. So, yeah, it's, I mean, that would be really good ratings just for a normal uh, broadcast channel. But that's just insane for a for a yeah. small cable channel. It's not even like it's TVN, it's JTBC. So it's like crazy. Yeah. yeah. Also, I mean, following in the um, like high school dramas are pretty popular in, in the US and in the UK. I would mm-hmm. say. American high school dramas are very popular in the UK. So if it does sort of go like, you know, that whole elite high class world it's just i don't know it makes good tv agreed like yeah. gossip girl oh, and, huge. Um, i know that uh one of the shows that's getting the most buzz here right now is succession which is about this i don't know if you guys have heard of it but it's a tv show that's about um the super rich family that's very very transparently based on rupert murdoch's family which, oh no, Fox <laughs> TV network family. So they're like horrible yeah. people and you hate all of them. But it's like this fascinating sort of indictment of people who have so much money and power and how they use I'm it. I'm not sure I'd have the appetite to watch something like that. Right? Yeah. And also me too, but it's really getting a lot of, yeah, people are really enjoying it. And they're saying that it, like, it's so well done that despite the fact that we're kind of tired of reach people's sorry rich people's mm-hmm. foibles it's still fascinating to watch so but i feel the same way i have no desire to watch it <laughs> yeah not at all. but i'm just saying like since that is there maybe this is a good time for something like this yeah to come out. i think one thing that i would mention as well though that um nbc dramas i don't think they do all that they're not very good <laughs> <laughs> can you do you know of any other examples can you name a few that from what i could tell i think they mostly deal in like procedural like kind of cookie cutter procedurals on their drama side. That's the true. comedies. That's I like true. The, the comedies. They're really good with comedies. Like they did Parks and Rec and they did 30 Rock, I think. So I really, but straight dramas, I'm not sure there is. Mm. They also did The Good Place, yes. which I am still shocked that The Good Place is a broadcast mm. network. I know, but that's show, the thing. So. They're really good with comedy. I love The Good Place so much and it's really interesting and it's a philosophical take, mm. but. Uh, and it's coming back in like two weeks, one week, two weeks, something like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, the Sky Castle had a very dark 
cutting, sarcastic, satirical kind of tone. And it is actually really funny, but it's also very mm. serious. So who knows? They might they might do a good they job might. with it. We can um, hope. Just a footnote to to the, the title, um, just for anyone who's not familiar with Korean University, is um, SKY, and you briefly sort of said it, um, SKY is an acronym for Korea's Ivy League Universities. So um, there's an upcoming Netflix travel variety show called Together, as in T-W-O, <laughs> Together. <laughs> um, and it's going to be Isungi. <laughs> yes. Isungi, who we all know and love, and Jasper Liu, who is Taiwanese, uh, an actor. And they're going to be traveling to different Asian countries to meet their fans. Um, and each time they'll be having a local fan as their guide. And it's just like a, you know, kind of like... Uh, Grandpa's over flowers, like they have to overcome the language <laughs> barrier. Yeah, except that they're going to be like these fan guides, which I feel it would just be fun to see these fans like completely yeah, melt man. down and just lose their minds at uh, spending the day with Isengi because who wouldn't? So yeah, it looks cute. It's coming out. No air date as yeah, yet. But it has begun but filming. It, filming began in Indonesia, yeah, in early September, so... That should be fun. And it's from the same production company uh, who made Busted, um, which is the Netflix original celebrity mystery game show, and Running Man. So you've got a good good team behind it as well. So it should, should be exciting, I think. Yeah. Okay, so the last one is that um, uh, I think by the time this comes out, it might be old news, but um, Seoul International Dr- uh, Drama Awards just happened about uh, two weeks ago. Um, the beginning of September, um, and lots of stuff. You guys can go and research the award winners, but we just wanted to quickly mention that Kim's Convenience, the Canadian sitcom about uh, a Korean immigrant family, won the most popular foreign drama of the year. And it there was also special like special invitation, which is like I'm not quite sure what that award means, but it's called special invitation um and that was given to kim's convenience and to uh, the american remake of good doctor so it's a like, fun recognition of international works that sort of link to careers one way or another super cool we love kim's convenience so that's exciting have you guys plugged kim's convenience yes. on <laughs> the podcast before? Well, yeah. you're, you're welcome to yeah. you're welcome to add your own <laughs> No, I just wanted to make sure that it had been because I think that it is brilliant and funny and uh, it's just such a beautiful little story. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and I know that we were like really down on Disney earlier, mm-hmm. um, but I also just want to like give Simulu a shout out because he's the one who plays Jung in the in Kim's Convenience, yeah. the, the son, and he is just, they just announced that he's going to star in the first ever um, Marvel movie with a Chinese American oh, yeah. hero. Oh, that's like, exciting. So cool. Yeah. yeah. I think we were like down on Disney as a monopoly. I really like <laughs> Disney and I do enjoy the Marvel. <laughs> I do too. I love the Marvel movies. I love Disney. I just I just wanted to like balance that with my son. <laughs> well, the fun stuff is that the, like, the third season um, wrapped a few months ago and they're filming the fourth and they've already ordered the fifth. So it's it's got a good future ahead of it for Kim's Convenience. It's a little side story which uh, just randomly came across and I found really interesting is that um, Korea is exporting its own sitcom about the immigrant experience um so it's by a regional um tv channel um in jeju so it's uh, about uh, an immi- uh, a multicultural
natural family in Jeju and their experiences in in that region, and that's been sold to Vietnam. I think it involves like a Vietnamese immigrant family uh, as the the main starring family in that. So that's that's an interesting uh, move as well in in Korean TV. Multiculturalism is something you don't see enough of. Just to be clear, like the it has already aired last yeah. year. The show it already aired in Jeju mm-hmm. Island, and then now it's being. This is really this is interesting. I would love to watch this, but I doubt it's available. I'm I'm gonna see if we can find anything about it somewhere, and maybe we'll yeah. check back in next month if we do find anything. So I think that's it for news. I think that's it. That was quite a lot. You know, before we started this, I promised I promised everyone this is a really news light month. So then I went and did like a heavy full day of research. You said that, and then I looked at the doc, and I was like, mm, it doesn't look that light. I was like, I was really, really grabbing for straws. Like, there's nothing, nothing, no drama happened this month. Everything is boring. Maybe because it's just like everyone decided, oh, let's just not have news either. Um, and yeah, sorry, I apologize. That that was me. <laughs> No, that's fine. We, it ended up being an interesting month, anyway. I hope, Helen, I hope it was oh, interesting. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I've had a really good time. So upcoming, let's, so let's move on to upcoming dramas then for October. Um, and before we get into the new stuff that we haven't talked about, I just want to make a note that um, Haru Found by Chance, which we talked about last month, which was originally supposed to air on September 25th, Um, has now been moved to October the 2nd, sadly, because we were excited for it. Um, It's also now Mm -hmm. being listed everywhere as Extraordinarily You, so I'm guessing that's the official English title, which kind of, yeah, it takes away all of the title's individuality (laughs) and fun, so I'm kind of bummed about that. Like, even in translation, A Day Found by Chance was a really good title. Why, why, why? (laughs) They always do this. Inexplicable. So the first new drama... Um, is called My Country. It's airing on October 4th on JTBC. It'll be a Friday-Saturday drama, 20 episodes. It stars Yang Sejong, Udu Han, and Jang Hyuk. And it's a period, it's a historical, it's set during the end of the Goryeo period to the early Joseon, so it's kind of like, you know, over time, like kind of an epic. And it's about two friends who aim their swords against one another due to differences in opinion about my country. So, like, you can see that it's going to be taking place during a time of historical conflict, since it's the the Goryeo period to the Joseon period was like a change in dynasty. So, um, and there was obviously conflict and violence. Um, so it's just about a warrior and a sort of a, a like a smart person from a low class. And so there, so there's like conflict between class status and, you know, conflict between friends. So it should be interesting. And I just want to take, to make a note that this is the director of Just Between Lovers and I Remember You. So definitely a good sign. Mm, I'm excited about this one. I've got thoughts on the writer. So this is also from the writer of, uh, what is it, um, Inspiring Generation, which is also known as Age of Feelings? Is that what it was called? I think so, yeah. Which I haven't watched, but if I remember rightly, nobody liked it. It was a bit of a disaster. Um, But that was 2014. So in 2016, the same writer also uh, penned um, Master of Noodles, um, which I did watch which had a really, really good first half and then kind of went funny. Like, 
You know, I heard the same thing about Inspiring Generation 2, that it started out well, and then it just crashed and burned. So. <laughs> yeah. so it's not that it was bad exactly. It's not that it was bad exactly. It was that it seemed to not know who its main character was. Um, like, it started off with Chun Jung-man, and then it moved its focus to the other guy. The What was his name? Uh, to, oh, Lee sang um, Which, actually, he made the better hero slash anti-hero but it, it was weird because like you know the focus mm. of the show didn't like it didn't focus on on the right story at the right time um so as much as the director of it is amazing um and i love like young sejong is one of my favorites udo Hwan is is generally amazing as well so the cast is great director's great i guess it will all rest on the writing uh helen do you watch that book much I don't actually. That's why I've been staying quite quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I will watch them if they're a fusion. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm also yeah. kind of in the same boat. Like Saya and Parama are much more into the sagas, and they enjoy like the political intrigue and all of that. For me, I like the sagas that are not as much about political intrigue. Like I'm really loving Rookie Historian. Yes, I love I love Rookie Historian. One of my favorite ones is Orang and the Magistrate, but uh, generally I need them to have some kind of fantasy or lighthearted element. Yeah, yeah. same. Well, I'll check it out and I'll come back. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, let us know. It doesn't sound lighthearted, that's what I'll say. <laughs> I love epic sagas, so it's like, you know, but they are a bit like, they take a bit of sort of mental commitment as well because you just, you have to sort of go in there with your brain at the ready. Um, and I don't always have my brain at the ready. <laughs> so this is, yeah, that, that's a problem. That. The next one is called VIP. It's airing October 7th on SBS. 32 35-minute episodes, and it airs on Monday, Tuesday. It stars Jang Nara, Lee Sang-yoon, and Lee chang and about a woman who's played by Jang Nara who works for a team that deals with VIP customers of a department store, and her husband also works for the same team, Lee Sang-yoon, and when they face an unexpected case, it causes their lives to fall apart. So the, and the director and screenwriter, I couldn't find any other credits for both of them. So apparently they're both rookies. So the cast is good. I don't know about the premise. Yeah. Do you guys, are you interested in this? I thought this one looked interesting, actually. Uh, first of all, I do like Jang Nara. Um, I think she's got a very peeling kind of uh, likability to her work. And this one, with having the insight, obviously, from someone who has to manage rich people's cases or you know, the VIP department. Uh, I thought there would be a lot of high drama involved with that one. So mm-hmm. I might give yeah. this one a watch. And the genre is mystery melodrama. So that, that's quite promising. But I do have one very big reservation about this, which is uh, Lee Sang-yoon. He's, he's an actor who can be absolutely riveting with the right director. Like in, um, what is it called? Liar Game? And... I think uh, twenty again. Those are, it was good. He, like, again he was too, really yeah. good in both of those shows. Like he was wonderful in both of those shows. But he can also be really, really boring. Like I watched um, Whisper, which was uh, he was co-starring with Lee Young, and that was a show where Lee Young was totally sidelined, completely wasted. Fantastic actress, but completely a waste of her talents. And he dominated, but he was so boring to watch and also about time uh, both of those shows like he did not he, he's dull without the right direction so 
I don't know. I feel like I've yeah. been put off him. Like I dropped Whisper, and this was before I actually learned to drop shows without uh, qualms. But I actually was just so blustingly bored. I dropped it. <sighs> yeah, I mean, this could be interesting given that we're like starting out with a married couple in the beginning, which I think was one of the things that was also fascinating about Misty because you started out with this like estranged, tense weird relationship and you slowly like found out what the deal was with them but i think this is really going to come down to like Jung-Nur. writing and directing and yeah execution and also like um because jenner has just come off uh like last empress as well where she had a fantastic um character and she just handled that role so well and she she just she does she everything so well good. she does everything well yeah yeah she is so <laughs> like, good because she's so she's kind of like this soft-spoken like like a, a uh, not in a rude way but like you kind of feel like she's a kitten with claws when she gets a tough character um but she also mm-hmm. will make you believe she's the tiger like in the last empress she might have started as a kitten but she ended as a tiger and like i i love seeing that evolution in her character so i i want to give it a try but i i do have reservations about isenyun okay it looks like they're going to um focus on jang nara though so i hope so she's definitely got much more star power than him yeah Okay, we'll see how that turns out. So the next one is called Everyone's Lies. And um, mm-hmm. I am really excited about this, even though it has a very boring yeah. title. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's um, it's going to be on OCN on October 12th. It's 16 episodes, Saturday, Sunday, and it stars E. Minky and E. U. Young, whose last projects were Because This Is My First Life and E. U. Young did um, My Fellow Citizens. Yeah, My Fellow Citizens. That was her last project, TV project. So so the, it's about a woman whose husband disappears after the sudden death of her father. Um, and she joins the National Assembly and teams up with a detective in her search for the truth. That detective is Eamon Key, obviously. Um, and they work together to break through the silence and lies that people spill to protect their own interests. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to let you guys talk first. <laughs> yeah. I think that this one was the one that grabbed me the most out of all of the upcoming dramas. Uh, first of all, I love E. Minky a lot. Yes. <laughs> How much? Um, <he's... laughs> Do you love uh, him I, too? I've actually uh, kept E. Young for this one. I love E. Young, but carry on. I'll get to that. <laughs> ah, okay. I see. No, yes. I, I think E. Minky, he's so oddball and offbeat. Um, and I think that whenever that's channeled well, I think it can be really gripping. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing him in something that's maybe a little darker, which this looks, because most of the things that I have liked him in have been on the more romancy rom com yeah. side. Uh, so I'm not sure whether he's going to gel well, but I do think that like there's the opportunity. Um, oh, what was the really old TV show, yeah. Investigative Agency? Oh, yeah, Mixed Up Investigative yeah. Agency. Yeah, mixed up. I thought he was great. I think he's the rare actor that I don't think I've ever seen him in something that I disliked him in. And most of them were actually good shows. So I think he picks them well, which is also why I'm excited for that. Um, and it obviously, the director, <laughs> uh, both Coffee Prince, I love Coffee Prince, obviously, and I love the first half of Cheese in the Trap. <laughs> I love how you have to qualify that. The first yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the directing was gorgeous. Yes. Uh, regardless of how much else of a total mess that turned into. I also really, I haven't seen Argon, which she also did, but I loved Heart to Heart. If you haven't seen that, it's really, really good. Argon was also really, really good. Mm. 
So it's definitely in so, safe yeah, the, hands, we hope. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, I, I am like both Eminki and Eo Young Cats <laughs> because I love both of them. Yeah. I'm a little bit concerned about how much Eo Young is working. Yeah, and how this one is about how oh, her husband wow, disappears no, and her father dies uh, at just, the same time. And like, I just want her to take a break, but. And for those who don't know, like, she recently lost her fiance, um, Kim Jin Yak. Yeah. Um, in a in a car accident. So, and she didn't really take much of a break from acting, did she? She's worked nonstop since then. Yeah. And also, so, I mean, this director was the last one to work with him as well, because that was Argon, wasn't it? Right. That's um, right. Yeah. And, and, and the, one of the writers is also worked on Argon. So I see. I hope that it's not too difficult for her. Uh, there was some recent news. I mean, we didn't report on this. I, I found, I came across it in my research for one of the past episodes that um, about an Instagram post that she made. It was Instagram or uh, just an SNS post that she made just uh, about, it was depressed. And I don't know if there was, people were worried. I think it was something to the effect of, like, life is just really hard. And then Mm -hmm. she put down. Or she said, oh, I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, But, like, yeah, I've just been worried about her since. And you're like, I love her. Um, Mm -hmm. I've loved her ever since I saw her in Tunnel. I, I, I really genuinely feel so worried about her. And it's just like, I don't even know this lady on the other side of the world, but I'm so worried about her. I want her to take a break and get yeah. some help. And but potentially she's working through her issues by working hard, which... So. But, you know, mm. sometimes working is just a way of not thinking about stuff. Yeah. But the fact that this one is, like, obviously to do with a husband disappearing, maybe she's hoping that this will be cathartic in some way. I hope so. But... I mean, the team of people who's doing it does seem like a very thoughtful mm-hmm. group of people. And so people that's who understand at least, her loss as yeah. well. Yeah, and who are perhaps also grieving, yeah. though maybe not as much as her. So, well, despite that sad sort of element to it, I am really excited for this show, and I and I hope it is not too wrenching to watch, and it's more mm. you know I'll gripping watch it and, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'm prepared. Yeah. I have tissues. I have water to read. Yeah, no, I mean I usually I usually do stay away from things that are kind of wrenching, but I don't think I will be able to this time. I think I'm just gonna watch it anyway. Yeah. The next one is called Leverage. It's a remake of the the US show of the same name. And there's no like episode count or anything, but it's airing October thirteenth on TV Chosen, which is like a smaller cable channel. And it stars Lee Dong-gun, John Hebin, and Kim Se-ron. And it's basically the story of a, an elite insurance investigator turned scam strategist who recruits the best players in order to catch the real criminals who think they're above the law. <laughs> Sounds quite fun. Yeah. If they do it comedy, yeah. Yeah, I think the US series was kind of on the funnier side. So mm. probably a comedy. I'm just thinking of... Well, it doesn't need to be a comedy, but like it, something like that. I love it whenever they have like comedic elements to it. Agreed. It's obviously, like having the kind of scam or heist element to it, it already, it's built in. Yeah. You're already kind of upturning certain, certain like norms of the way that, you know, crime fighting or catching the bad guys works. So then if mm-hmm. you have comedy in there, also sort of overturning, because that's what comedy does best, right? It's like, defying your expectations and making you laugh. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound uh, dissimilar to another recent drama, um, Player, 
the Song Song drama, where you get scammers to scam, conmen to scam, yeah. scam scammers out of like ill yeah. gains. Yeah. Wasn't there also an element of that in Police Unit 39? Oh, yeah, uh, 38. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was like really genius because that worked on so many levels. So, I mean, I don't, I'm not familiar with the source material, but. Uh, just as a as a standalone, it sounds sounds great. Though I'm thinking of the last uh, U.S. drama ending in like AGE that was remade and eh, Entourage, Leverage. Are they yeah. are they anywhere? Yeah, in I mean, the- but that was I don't know. Entourage wasn't a good base material to begin uh, with. Exactly, <laughs> the original show was trash. So yeah. I, I don't know how much you can really judge any other things <laughs> by that. <laughs> oh, I. I watched more of Entourage than I really should have, which is I watched more than one episode. Yeah, it was a hit. It was very popular, but it was trash. But it was very much of its moment in like, what was that? Like the early 2000s? (laughs) Such a a mystifying, even such a mystifying decision to even remake that into a K-drama in like, what, 2016 or 17? Like what? What was that? Well, didn't Entourage get a movie recently? So maybe they thought that they were going to build off the success of that. Yeah, but the movie was also terrible. <laughs> Someone must have really enjoyed it. Universally panned. Like, there was no positive review of that movie. Oh, yeah, well, let's hope it doesn't go the way of Entourage. But uh, are you guys going to check this one out? No, probably not. No, me neither. Probably. Yeah, I, don't, I, I, don't I just know. don't have time. <laughs> oh, that's That's true. I have to really limit. Like, so right now, the only thing I'm watching is Mellow is My Nature. And then I'll go to the next one after that. <laughs> whatever it is one at a time yeah okay so the next one is called catch the ghost and i'll go through this one pretty quickly since we've already talked about it it was supposed to come out in august it's a moon gunyang police drama where she's um looking for her autistic twin sister so um this was originally supposed to air i think august 9th um but i think they needed more time for filming so it's now going to be airing on October 21st. And it's her first, Moon Gun Young's first drama in four years because she had compartment syndrome and she took a break for a while. So it'd be nice to see her come back. I really like her. Mm. Helen, any thoughts on this one? Since you weren't here when we talked about it last. Uh, I don't have that many fo- thoughts. I, if it's got a fantasy element to it, uh, I'm probably more likely to watch this one. But if it's a straight crime I might well, it says drama, it mystery, miss. romance under under the genre tag on Wiki on Dedict Wiki. So, does that appeal? Okay, so maybe the fantasy was be- removed from the description at some ah, point okay. <laughs> <laughs> because when I looked it up, it said that it was also a fantasy. So the thing is, they've also put psychic under oh. the tags. So oh. interesting. I guess yeah. there's no way to know without actually watching it. No. <laughs> right, well, I'm sure if. If it ends up being supernatural, we'll hear about it probably. So the last one is actually, I don't normally um, list web dramas on the upcoming, but this one is weird in that it's also listed as an SBS drama and it's listed as a web drama and um, it's called Yunnamdong Global House. It's 12 episodes and the casting is interesting. So it's got, it's starring Kangmina, Idehui and Christian Burgos and Kangmina has been an I think in minor roles and a bunch of stuff, including Sassy Gogo. Um, and her last drama was 18-2, which I know Boroma watched the first 18 and she recommended it. Um, but Christian Burgos is actually a popular Mexican, like he grew up in Mexico and then he came to Korea 
And he has a really interesting story because he like worked in a copper mine in Mexico and he became friends with like the Korean miners. And that's when he started learning the language. And then he like started watching TV shows. And then he came to Korea and he was um, one of the panelists on Abnormal Summit. And that's what kind of made him famous. So he's a famous TV celebrity, but he's actually the first Latino um, actor on a Korean drama. So I think it's, let's, you know, it's a, it's a milestone that is worth noting. So the, oh, Absolutely. and the premise is that it's a rom-com about six people from all around the world living in a luxury share house in Seoul. And the drama tells their stories of life, love, and friendship. Yeah. I thought it sounded like a really cute little premise and it's only 12 episodes. So quite a breezy watch as well. <laughs> yeah. 12 episodes yeah. is the perfect length in my opinion for a rom-com. So I know. I agree. Those <laughs> I always episodes say that. thirteen to fourteen, they drag them out, don't they? Oh my gosh, there's just <laughs> like they have... no reason for those. Yeah, yeah. And they they always have that ridiculous like breakup or the time jump, and I ugh. yeah. Like I love my rom coms, but sometimes you could you ease back on the cliches. <laughs> totally, there's always like you know the kiss happens around episode eight, and then they get together by the end of episode twelve, and then they're like, oh crap, there's no more story. So then they have to like manufacture some angst. Yeah, um, and that gets resolved around episode fifteen, and then you get like one happy, you know, sort of wrapping up the loose ends episode. Yeah, yeah, maybe I should like I know this about. <laughs> the rom-coms obviously and I still don't stop watching like at episode 12 I should just easily like come back in for episode 16 yeah is what I should do this is, a good, this is again. a good strategy <laughs> they do punish you with the angst but the reward is great that's why you stick sometimes yeah <laughs> sometimes it just makes me lose my love for the couple though because I'm like you were so great until this nonsensical behavior started where you're like suddenly behaving in a way that doesn't it's not consistent with your character yes i think it's more egregious whenever the characters have been set out as like quite thoughtful or like there's a reason that you have gravitated towards them in the first place and then if they start acting silly yeah and then they they have like a sudden bout of noble idiocy in episode 13 and you're like but why i love you (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah um helen have you seen um top star ubeck i haven't that one is 12 episodes and it's a perfect it's like a perfect length it's like perfectly like it's kind of like a throwback rom-com without the bad no actually top starberg yes i think i have seen i've seen i haven't finished it actually so kim jisak and um john soman it was really cute and like it was a satisfying ending there wasn't any like weird angst that was came out of nowhere it was really good very charming I think you two have a very similar taste in shows, actually. You should probably talk for another three hours and figure this out. <laughs> we should give each other recommendations. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I've been adding to my okay. watch list. Yeah, I'm quite yeah. strong on like the rom-com and like the supernatural fantasy sci-fi. Those are, that's my sweet spot. Yeah. Uh, I'm not as, I don't watch as many of the supernatural shows. Those are more like, I think Boroma and um, Saya watch more of those. Um, but I really love Signal. So I go for more of the slice of life and the rom-com and sometimes the sort of workplace sort of like I really loved Familiar Wife. Yeah. But yeah, so I guess, I mean, we asked you about, we talked about 
when the devil calls your name, but is there any other drama that you want to mention that you're watching right now and are either like loving or like super hating and you want to rant about it? <laughs> Uh, actually, the only other uh, drama that I'm watching and have fallen behind a little bit on, unfortunately, is Rookie Historian. Um, but that one, I really love that one, um, Rookie Historian. Um, so I've seen Shin Se-kyung in a few other things, and I actually quite liked her. Like, I know that she got panned for her acting for quite a few years, but I quite liked her. And I thought that it was mostly that she hadn't been given the right roles. But I thought whenever she's been given any kind of like, like comedy or serious, it's when they ask her to do like egg yolk or uh, any kind of like very cutesy behavior. She's not like a great fit for that. I've found or the kind of like the really innocent naive candy kind of role she's better yeah which is why she's really yes. good in Sagak yeah in the because historical. it yeah. demands more of her I think so Shin Se-kyung in uh, Rookie Historian is um, she's just such a wonderful character because she again has a lot of uh, beliefs and thoughts about herself and she doesn't let anybody tell her that she's wrong and obviously there's like a process of learning but at her core she knows that she's right and I think that's mm. it's very impressive and she's like willing to she's so principled yes yeah stick to her beliefs yeah yeah but she's also willing to uh like grow them like she doesn't get dogmatically stuck on one thing no she's just like she will learn and she will. She's willing to like be open to being wrong, and to taking in new information. I, I just, I love that about her. She's such a great character. Yeah. Um. If you had just, if you could recommend one drama to everyone right now, what would you recommend them to watch? I can hear your voice, always and forever. A classic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that we really love around here. Totally agree. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we will co-sign that recommendation. Yes. <laughs> Uh, it was, when was that? I think it was 2013, maybe. So it was only like a year into my watching K-dramas. And it just, you know, you get the crack dramas. It was my crack drama. Um, and it's something that I rewatch and, and drives. <laughs> it, <laughs> Your fiance. Crazy. It does. It, it does. It does drive him a little bit crazy. I tried to get him to watch it actually recently with me, but uh, he didn't enjoy it. <laughs> Oh, I, I actually, I was, I watched that as it was airing and I was in Canada and I told my mom and my sister, like, you have to watch this one. And they watched it. And like, we still, we still fondly re remember that and talk about it sometimes. Oh, yeah. I just, I have such good memories of it. And it is, Lee Jong Sok is my bae forever. <laughs> <laughs> and Lee Bo Young as well. Oh, I loved Lee Bo Young's character in it. I want to be her when I grow up. <laughs> So I know, more with her than with him. So is this how you want to practice law, though? But <laughs> <laughs> for the benefit of our listeners, can I can I tell them? Yes, yeah. So in in real life, what do you do? Uh, in real life, I am a trainee solicitor, so I will be uh, doing something not that similar to what Ebo Young does. <laughs> <laughs> which which is why the the question I just I had to ask it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, maybe by the end of the drama, but I think even at the end of the drama, she was playing a little fast and loose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, we're not watching this for the, the legal <laughs> accuracy, are we? Yeah. Well, do you wear your skirt the right way around when you go to work? 
Um, I do, but honestly, I love that moment when she just like no sham shifted around. That's I want to like that's why I want to be able to emulate that kind of confidence. (laughs) It's like it's such an unforgettable scene that like Mm. so many years later I can still replay it in my in my head. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't even look round. Yeah, it does not turn on her hair. She's like, oh, let me fix that. Yeah. (laughs) I have a fun story with with that show as well. Actually, it's not that fun, but like usually, like every Ramadan, I I, I don't watch TV. I just take a break. I, I fast from TV as well as uh, as the other things. Um, but that year, I hear your voice destroyed my resolve. <laughs> so it's like the first Ramadan in like so many years that I watched a show, and that was like, I, I suppose that kind of ruined me for life. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! <laughs> so I suppose since that, uh, oh, I actually no, I have gone back to sort of not really watching stuff. But that one year, it was I couldn't do it. It's like I need to watch the show. I think also the days were extraordinarily long that year mm. as well. Those were your That's like the thing, right? Is yeah. That it, when when it's like winter and you're only fasting for like eleven hours, you can totally you know. But when you have like eighteen hours to get through, and you're just like, I think the- we were at like twenty one hours or something at that. Oh my point. goodness! And you yeah. know, in, in winter here, our fasts can be as short as eight hours. That like they are really short. But that, that I think that year was a particularly difficult year. And yeah, yeah, also the show was just really, it ruined my mind. I just had mm. to watch it. Yeah, I think that <laughs> I got through, I so I picked it up about halfway through its run, which meant that I binged the first part, which it was so painful whenever I oh. got up to date with it on the weekly. Yeah. <laughs> I was going yeah. mad like week to week. <laughs> That's the struggle when you run out of the, the binge watching and then you have to watch things. And this is also right. like okay. that constant conflict of, you know, um, whether to wait for a show to complete so you could watch it or watch it in real time so you can in, in, engage, uh, participate in sort of the speculation, the fan and everything and back then the fandom was like much more active than it is now as well so you're like you were all there you were all dying together and it was just like that increased the the sort of that tension of the experience and your enjoyment of of the whole show in general oh fun times yeah so we'll have to wrap that up here unfortunately we're like 15 minutes over the time limit that Brahma has given us. <laughs> so we really, we should really stop. But um, thank you so much for joining us, Helen. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. This is really wonderful. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I've just, like, been trying to tempt, uh, tempt Helen for months and finally managed <laughs> to pin you down. So I'm really, like, I've enjoyed this so much. So you should definitely come back. And yes. you should also tell uh, tell us and our listeners um, where else we can find you on the internet. You can find me as Hellcat over on Drama Beans. Now we'll just say bye and then we'll end the thing. Aww. So everyone, say bye. 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 Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye.